HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. The great state of Wisconsin is home to the only master cheesemaking program outside of Switzerland. Learn more about Wisconsin's cheesemaking history at wisconsincheese.com. This week on Meat and 3, we're telling the stories behind iconic dishes. We learn what it will take to save New York's most famous egg cream, discover the importance of the goat neck in the East Village, and take a trip to India for delicious flatbreads. Our customers who come in to get egg creams and t-shirts, they love to talk about their childhood or their teenage years or their college years. I was living in uh, Nepal in northern India, and out there there's a real famous dish, a classic dish I should say, it's called paya. Parathe Wali Gali, or as it awkwardly translates in English, the lane of the stuffed flatbread makers, is probably one of the most popular food streets in Old Delhi. Tune in to Meet and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello and welcome to Snacky Tunes. I am one half your host, Darren Bresnitz. This week we are super excited to be sitting down with LA Times columnist, and host of LA Times' new food show, Off Menu. In each episode, Lucas Kwan Peterson traverses across LA to hang out with some of the food people who make this city fantastic. He will cook in their kitchens, get to know their stories, go shopping with them, and give us a little insight of what it means to be a chef, restaurateur, and just overall delicious citizen of this city. We also dip into our archives and pull out a performance from LA born and bred singer, Billy Womo, which we recorded live at Dangerbird Record Studios. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Snacky Tunes on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We talk about food, we talk about music, with musical dudes, finger on the pulse, Snacky Tunes. Lonely Like me 
Snacky Tunes. I am one half your host, Darren Bresnitz. We are with Lucas Juan Peterson, columnist for LA Times and host of Off Menu, which debuted almost two weeks ago. Hello. Hello, and welcome to the show. Thank you. So, um, LA Times has really made a investment and a push into food journalism in the last year with the expansion of the section into a weekly whole section and not just a piece here and there. And now you are expanding into video. So how did the show come about and why has the LA Times wanted to shift into video for food? Oh my gosh. I, I don't know. I mean, and I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's a good idea. I, of course, I think it's a good idea. I don't know if it's a good idea to have me doing it, but I, um, I came on board with the understanding that I would um, make a push into video from the the show that I hosted uh, for several years at Eater, which was called Dining on a Dime. And um, I think it's just an effort to really broaden and expand uh, food coverage in the city. Our new owners, Patrick and Michelle, are both very into food. And so I think they're, they were excited to um, really invest and expand the team from four people to nine people and to bring back the standalone section, which we brought back in April. Um, and I mean, as you know, sort of long gone are the days of like a 30-page food section, which, mm-hmm. you know, lots of ads and lots of, you know, from, you know, put the kettle on, That's what I'm boil saying. up some eggs, <laughs> Sunday morning, let's just, dig in. Just dig in. Spend the next couple hours going through the food section. Earmarking recipes you'll never cook. It's like, you know, yeah, filing, you know, 5,000 word pieces sure. on citrus or something like that. You know, those, those days are gone, but it's, it's nice. It's nice to see the investment. We're very grateful. We're really trying to, and we're really trying to step it up. So with the expansion, even though it's not the 30-page section, you still have now more more space to tell stories on the printed page. But what are the stories that you thought you could only tell through video that you couldn't tell in print or that maybe you have told in print and are now revisiting with a new angle? I mean, I, I think video, it just has the ability to convey um, certain things that are hard to to grasp maybe in the space of a thousand twelve hundred words and the goal of off menu is to really get to know um, some of the people and characters that are behind some of the really great uh, restaurants and places to eat in Los Angeles and in the Los Angeles area so 
for our purposes, it's it's really a useful tool to really be able to dive in. And for example, in um, this last episode, which was with the guys from Tacos 1986, to be able to go to where these guys grew up, mm. childhood friends, and go to some of their favorite taco spots and uh, really get to, and to meet, you know, meet Joy's dad and to see their childhood homes. And a lot of those things you can you can really capture so well within the space of 10 to 12 minutes, which would be harder in, a, in an article. There are also these moments in video that you could say natural or unexpected that maybe capture more emotion in a visual sense or just because you have something rolling that sometimes escape the printed word. This is an excellent point that you have raised. There is uh, an aspect of spontaneity mm-hmm. to, to video and the ability to sort of go off script, uh, the ability to um, have a conversation go where you didn't think it was going to go, the, the ability or the ability to literally be in the car and say, hey, I wonder what's down that road and to just uh, check it out and to see what's there. And, and, and it allows, obviously, articles and stuff are, are uh, edited and, and planned very carefully, but you're, you're absolutely right. There's a certain spontaneity. So being a columnist and having that, I don't want to call it rigid, like rigidness, but you, know, you have X amount of words and you're trying to tell a narrative story. And now being a host, what did you want your role to be? As the host, is it guide, is it interviewer, is it student, is it avatar, is it all of them? I I do want to put blue makeup on, just like <laughs> just like an avatar, but I um, no, I I think what an odd term <laughs> this interview would be if it was what are your thoughts on the future <laughs> avatar sequel? <laughs> Me and Cameron, James Cameron, just out there. We're going to the bottom of the ocean. Man. And there's a there's a great restaurant on that planet. <laughs> that uh, in season two, it's weird they take a weird pivot there. Not, not, not um, but I digress. Um, what what do you see your role as a host? So, so okay. So my experience um, working at Eater and doing a show which I which I really liked was like host. Like, hey guys. What's up? Here, here we are. I am the host. It's LKP. I'm coming from you. Yeah. You know, it's your boy. It's your boy. Smash that like. Smash that like. And and I think that's I think that's fine. Yes. I think I think there's definitely that's definitely a a thing that people like, and that's definitely something that has its use. Um, And but I think I think for this show, I wanted it to be a bit less hosty in the sense that, you know, a hosted show, it really revolves around the host. And so, and I didn't want it to revolve around me. I wanted it to revolve around, uh, you know, wherever we were that day or, or whoever we were with that day. So um, I think in that sense, I'm like your friend and we're going on this thing together and we're going to talk to these people together and we're both going to learn. And I, I am, you know, in a position where I hopefully have some sort of authority on on, on food or restaurants you know, a, a beyond um, maybe the average viewer and I can um, help move things along or I can, um, you know, introduce interesting points or, or things about uh, a certain uh, r- culture's uh, cuisine. But, but I think by and large, it is less about the host and it is more about uh, the subjects. There was this 
quote in in the episode with Jazz and Jitlata where it said, every meal teaches a different lesson and it's much more uh, than just about the food, which in many ways dovetails with what you just said of where it is not just going, whoa, look at these donuts or, uh, you know, I can't believe the size of this pizza slice. And you are giving more of a journalistic, in-depth approach to it. So beyond just the food of what you're showing, which is delicious and plays well to the medium, what are you trying to tell? Like, what are the stories you're trying to share through Off Menu? Oh, gosh. I mean, it, it, it really depends from episode to episode, but I think with the focus being on L.A., it is um, the, the overriding principle or the overriding lesson, I would say, is love love your city love LA you know get to know get to know the city and the people and if you're not from LA and hopefully people not from LA are also watching the show it's like come visit come see us come see what makes us great and see what makes us special because LA has gotten a lot of attention in recent years in food media and I which is wonderful and we've had a lot of chefs come in and open restaurants and I but I still I still think that's not what we're about. I still think that's not necessarily our strong point food-wise. Um, what is? Well, it's places like this. And it's and it's and so and what it is is it's the it's the family-run places. It's the places where you drive, you know, 45 minutes and and you go have, you know, barbecue in Corona or something like that or you um, you know, you go to Little Saigon in Orange County and you just eat like the greatest probably Vietnamese food outside of Vietnam. And it's it's about places that exist outside of our realm. It's mm. about places that don't like frankly that don't necessarily care about what we do in food media. They they really e- exist outside of us and I'm not saying that what that what we do isn't great and valuable, but but I think I think so much of what makes LA special is is the sprawl and is and are the the neighborhoods and in the little sort of culinary incubators that have popped up and um, that really make the city special. I mean, it's true because when I go get dumplings in the SGV, they do not care about where I work or what I do or things like that. Um, and I sort of like that, that I'm not going to eat at restaurants that are, well, I read about this, so I have to go, and maybe I'm hoping that someone recognizes me, or I recognize someone there, and I see other people in the scene. Like Sometimes it's there's an importance of getting to know your neighbor and your neighborhood through the food they have to offer. Absolutely. And I think the, the, it is the most effective way, and it's the most efficacious way. You know, there's nothing easier and more relatable than sitting down, you know, than sitting down for a meal with someone. And it is, you know, and I say in my little opening uh, missive about the show that it's a highly effective Trojan horse, that it's, you know, you, you go in under the pretense of food and a meal and, and within that there are so many other issues built in and it's so easy to talk about nearly anything when you're using food as a jumping off point. That's a beautiful sentiment. 
And on that, we're going to take a musical break. Then we're going to come back and talk about how you narrow down that sprawl because it is endless and delicious. We have a song from the archives here on Snacky Tunes on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Trying to help you. Say you got answers, you're gonna help me soon. I know there's darkness in your heart. We're both content to play our parts. That I like no matter how hard I fight It's a hold of me And every time that I Say it's the last Before I know it I'm back It takes a hold of me Right now Something in my blood that makes me cross those lines. And I know there's darkness in my heart, too. We're both content to play our parts. Cause you got that vice that I like, no matter how hard I fight. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. Did you know that 90% of Wisconsin's milk is made into cheese? And this is not just any milk. When Swiss, German, and Italian cheesemakers first settled into Wisconsin, they chose their new home because of the special terroir of the region. Its soil and water are nurtured by the goodness of glacial sediment, and those elements lend themselves to the very best milk. Today, Wisconsin produces 25% of all cheeses made in the U.S., and Wisconsin cheeses have won more awards than any other state or country in the world. How do they do it? 
Wisconsin cheesemakers combined their heritage and tradition with nonstop innovation. They were the first state to establish cheese grade standards and the first to require that every cheese plant be overseen by a licensed cheesemaker. Wisconsin is the only place outside of Europe where one can pursue an elite master cheesemaker certification. All of these impeccably high standards mean Wisconsin produces more than 48% of the nation's specialty cheese. Hello and welcome back. We are here with Lucas Quan peterson columnist for the LA Times, host of the new show Off Menu. And it would be impossible to talk about this show without talking about the legacy of Jonathan Gold, which, you know, his inspiration, we could spend the rest of time talking about that. Absolutely. Uh, on LA and the food scene and, and the rise to it. But this show feels like a through-line continuation of his work, even with the first episode with Jitlada, which everyone knows is one of his famous restaurants. It's in the documentary. You know, Jazz is, you know, one of his closest friends. Or uh, What? How do I say this? There's probably both a shadow over of him over you and, like, where you pick you can go of both what you feel you have to tell and then what you feel you want to tell that's new. How do you balance that and how do you decide where you want to go? Oh, boy. Well, I guess... First to talk, I mean, first to talk about Jonathan, which I think it's it's hard to talk about this show without talking about Jonathan. I I would not, you know, ever presume to be stepping into what he has done or continue. I I I've, it's definitely he is an inspiration, and I could only hope to, you know, I think any of us could 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 ever hope to live up to what he achieved um and it's i would say it's less of a shadow it's more of like a benevolent like guiding hand sure shadow um, i mean i don't mean shadow the negative way no of course but just like in the way that like it, the shadow is longer and can lead into a, a, a spot yes and and but but choosing jitlada for the first episode was a very conscious choice and, and it was and it was definitely a, a nod to to jonathan um I think what he taught us, he taught us so many things. He, he taught us to uh, go to the place and eat the thing you're afraid of and talk to the person who you may not have already talked to. And in that way, you get to uh, love your city and you get to love the people and you get to know your city better and you get to become sort of an ambassador for the city. And I think that's what Jonathan did better than anyone ever could have was be an ambassador for LA and to um, really express so well in his reviews, um, not just, you know, being a, obviously a very virtuosic writer, but, but, but expressing love for the city. And I think that's what he tried to do. And so that's what, what I try to do in selecting the places uh, for the episodes of the show, places that have um, an interesting tie to L.A. in some way, um, places that uh, feature a cuisine that L.A. does particularly well, uh, characters like Jazz, who are like civic institutions mm -hmm. in Los Angeles, who, you know, Jazz and her glasses are like... A featured player. In, I'm surprised there is not a shirt yet. Yeah, or like, sweatshirt <laughs> with, just like, with jazz and the glasses. Yeah, absolutely. 
That's a free one for the next. Uh, that, that'll be for event. that'll be yeah. for merch. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll send that to our to our product people. Um, and so yeah, just like places that are gonna you know rep the city and and places that are that are ideally gonna make people who live here want to go and want to get to know their city in a more deeper way, and people who live outside the city to to want to come and visit. So. Where do you go beyond Jonathan's influence? Which is the other part of the question where he, you could honestly spend the all of off menu just going to places that he's highlighted and telling an updated story or a different look. Mm-hmm. How do you pick places that maybe he didn't cover or have opened up since his passing? Um, how much tied do you feel to his history versus making a new light on new spots or spots that may have not gotten any light yet. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, it would be well well worth my time or anyone's time just to, just to go to places that he left. I mean, obviously, um, since his passing uh, a year ago, over a year ago, uh, in a very practical way, new places open all the time. So I, I think in that sense, um, for example, Tacos 1986. Mm-hmm. Now, now, these guys are not from L.A., but obviously the Mexican kitchen has been very influential in Los Angeles, and we, we owe so much to that country. Um, and, uh, and so I think by just sort of seeing... Uh, the work that Jonathan did and try to sort of continue as a through line. Um, and to just, I, I, like I'm, I, I'm not that interested in doing something radically different. It's, I think I could, I could only aspire to pick places that Jonathan would approve of and I would be happy doing that. And I'm not, I'm not certain I want to deviate from that in any, in any kind of like, Crazy, crazy way. Like, I mean, what, he like said, what he did was great. Yeah, he set a really great parameter of why to consider a restaurant and why you would want to spend a time and energy in curating a restaurant, the people behind it, the story behind it, what it means to the city. Yeah. And and I can and I can for with other stuff that I write or other stuff that I do, if I want to write ridiculous uh, stories about french fries or hot cheetos you know i I can i can indulge like that sort of aspect of my personality and that sort of that kind of thing that i like to do and you know for for off menu we can really like we can really go to some great places and get some get some great stories from people and really try to like dig deep and show and show uh the stories of of the people that make this great food how have you seen la as a character's and its role in these stories shifted from maybe a couple of years ago to where it is now. Given its respect, which everyone sort of who knew about it living here about, but no, now it's got national, international attention. What role does it play in this show? It's, it's so wonderful that L.A. is like such a hot dining city. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's like, how did that, like when did that happen? I guess... You know, a few years ago, um, and there's so many places that are open. There's a part of me that's a little worried 
there's a little part of me that maybe people who come here either to eat or to open a place sort of think L.A. is a restaurant town the way New York is a restaurant town. It's and, not. And we're not. I mean, to your point from before, some of these restaurants do not care about any of this. And they're going to be slinging dumplings, tacos, you know, plates of food that will be there before and after should this media bubble pop. Yeah. I And I... And, and and I do worry. I, I do worry that sometimes that the, the rate at which um, places are opening, especially chefy places, places that are sort of in our media mm-hmm. ecosystem, I, I, I worry a little bit. Um, and I, I wonder sometimes if we as a dining population are of that mindset to support restaurants at this rate, the way, you know, in Manhattan people eat up three meals a day. You know, you, you mm-hmm. walk downstairs and you stumble outside and you go to a restaurant. And that's that's just not how we live. Um, and then also to your point of, um, you know, the fact that when you go to uh, a Vietnamese place in Garden Grove, it's like they're cooking for their town. They're cooking for their community. And they don't care if I come. Mm-hmm. They don't care if you come. And that's... So they do sort of exist outside of us in a very, in like a figurative and a literal way, you know, outside of, uh, outside of our profession and outside of, you know, geographically. But again, that's what makes the food so great. So you go into this series with an idea of the stories you want to tell and the people you want to feature and knowing background. What were one of the two things that you learned or experienced during the making of this season that surprised you and that will stay with you. Folks at home, you can't see it. Big smile on his face. I'm, th- I'm, th- I'm thinking this is a hard question and I need to come up with a good answer. Um, some things that I learned. I mean, every episode was... It was filled with uh, lessons, both large and small. We did an episode that'll be coming out a little bit later in the series, um, probably at the end of November, on Skid Row. And it felt important to, um, as someone who's in food media and as someone who's very much a part of this cycle, to uh, look to people who are who who are in need and people who uh, when you look at the homeless crisis the homelessness crisis in LA and LA County 60,000 homeless people in LA County and it's getting worse that makes it can kind of make you feel like a ridiculous human being at times and I think it it, it was important to, to have that sense of perspective and import, important to have that sense of humility and to work with um, places like Skid Row Coffee, which operates outside of the, uh, the main library downtown and Skid Row People's Market, which, which operates on 5th and San Pedro. Places that are doing such good work to provide healthy food options for people who are 
in poverty, um, providing uh, vocational opportunities for those same people, and just doing such good work. And that we, uh, you know, places that we in the media, I think, can and should do more to elevate places like that. So I, I learned a lot of lessons during that episode. So when people watch the show, what would you like them to take away from an entertainment point of view and then also maybe something a little bit more actionable? Yeah, I, I, I think it's... it. I mean, and, and like the, the last thing that I said about Skid Row, it's not it's not meant to be scoldy. Like it's not mm-hmm. meant it's not meant to say, hey, you can't enjoy your your meal because I, you know, more than more than most people, you know, like to go out to eat and like to have, um, you know, really delicious dinners. But it's just having a sense of your place, you know, in the city uh and beyond, you know, as a whole. And and it's supposed to, I mean, the show is supposed to be fun. The show is supposed to, it's not supposed to be like, it's not supposed to be some very serious thing. I feel like I'm being like serious. But it's supposed to be like, it's supposed to make you wanna go eat. It's supposed to make you wanna get in your car and like pick a direction and drive for 45 minutes and just like stop somewhere and see what's, there, you know, stop and have at the Morisco's place, or stop at the Pupuseria, or stop at the, you know, stop at the West African place and have some jollof rice, you know, stop anywhere, but just to like, you know, see the city for what it is, which is this like beautifully fractured, imperfect thing that has these incredible, um, these incredible pockets of food. So... From an entertainment point of view, it is. It's supposed to be exciting. It's supposed to make you um, excited to, to eat in, in the city. And then, but it is also hopefully going to make you think a little bit about where your food comes from because I think we don't always do that. I think sometimes when we go to restaurants and the food appears in front of us and it's delicious or it's or it's not or whatever, we just kind of think it. It's like when I was a kid and. You know, you just think hamburgers just to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, or bacon. And you don't, re- I, it took me, I didn't realize bacon came from a pig until I was in my 30s. One magical animal. Yeah, that's not true. Exactly. Just like The Simpsons. One magical animal where the pork chops yeah. and the bacon and everything comes from. So, you, you know, that's a very basic level. But, but I'm to, with but you. To, but to think about your food and just think about, just think like, oh, yeah, someone made this. Yeah. And, and it's the pr- food and the people behind it. Absolutely. Uh, well, thank you so much. This is super exciting. I can't wait. We're shaking hands. We're shaking hands. And yet another thing you can't see. Um, so before we go rewatch Avatar together, um, where can people watch the show? How can people follow you online? Yes. So you can go to our brand new baby, just born YouTube channel, youtube.com slash LA Times food. You can go to our show landing page, which is latimes.com slash off menu. And then our, uh, our, or you can just search off menu. No, you probably could do off menu LA Times. Off menu LA Times. Yeah, we got We got to be around a little bit longer before your SEOs really start <laughs> jumping up. That's right. Uh, well, thank you so much. Congratulations. Thank you for making another delicious love letter to LA. We have a, another song from the archives and then a live performance here on Snacky Tunes on heritageradionetwork.org.
the temples that I built for you. And I sang songs of praise and love. And up. I sang songs of burying you alive. And up. See, I had to tear it down. Cause my faith was just a Heritage Radio Network on Monday, November 11th for a raucous feast to toast a decade of food radio. Our 10th anniversary Bacchanal is a rare gathering of your favorite chefs, mixologists, storytellers, thought leaders, and culinary masterminds. We'll salute the inductees of the newly minted HRN Hall of Fame, who embody our mission to further equity, sustainability, and deliciousness. Explore the beautiful Palm House and Yellow Magnolia Cafe. Taste and imbibe to your heart's content, and bid on once-in-a-lifetime experiences and tasty gifts for any budget at our silent auction. 
Tickets available now at heritageradionetwork.org slash gala. Hello, and welcome back to Snacky Tunes. We are sitting in the lovely and legendary Danger Bird record studio in Silver Lake, and we are with one of Silver Lake's own hometown heroes, Billy Woma. Welcome to Snacky Tunes. Thank you. Uh, you are one of the few born and bred and still live in Silver Lake? Well, actually, I'm, uh, I am born and bred. Um, but you moved away because people yeah. like me moved here. <laughs> it's fine. You can say it. Yeah, it was. It's funny. Me, me and my girl were just having that conversation, and I was like, "Well, you can't." She was saying that because of people like you, and I was like, "Well, you know, I think growing up in LA, I've seen it so much in all the neighborhoods. That yeah. I'm, I'm just like numb to it. It doesn't. I don't really. It's like people want to be together. We're we're weird creatures, man. Like, yeah, something happens in a place. People all want to be there, like from a car accident on a freeway all the way to like this huge metropolis. People are just like gravitated towards like, you know, spectacles and other people. It's a thing. Well, also, uh, I mean, I did live in sort of the same sort of place in Brooklyn, but with L.A. Where the same shit was happening. Where the same shit was happening, but like with L.A., uh, you know, you you pick where you want to live and you want to hang because if not, then you're just in the car the whole time. That's true. Yeah, man. Um, Oof, so, but I mean, what's much. it been like seeing growing up? Where's your family from originally? Well, my my dad's from Chicago, but he moved to the Bronx, and that's where my mom's from as well. Oh, yeah. Bronx. Where? What part of the Bronx? I don't even know, man. All I know is like I got a, a lot of. We're Italian, and, and Arthur Avenue, maybe that sounds familiar. Okay. You know? I used to go there more when I was a kid, but then my mom my my mom moved her parents out, and they just lived with us, so we had less reason to go out. Yeah, there. Arthur Avenue is the famous like Italian like, yeah. strip. That sounds, I think so my... So grandparents from Italy? Yeah, from Italy. Big all. food family? Yes, yes. Like Sunday gravy, supper, things Dude, like that? Dude, every day, six o'clock. That's like, you know, we're big on family values, like multiple generations living in the same house. Like, you know, my grandfather taught me how to do this tight little mustache. Like It's a good is, mustache. For those, <laughs> for those who obviously can't see it, it's worth a Google. It's worth <laughs> Google a Google. Google my mustache. Um, your first band was actually... All in the family, right? Or the first, That's the right. first big, Babes. Yes. Yeah, I used to be in a band with my brother and sister uh, called Babes. And it was just, it was just my dad had taught us how to kind of play and sing and do harmonies and all that. And I... Wait, what was that like? <laughs> uh, you know... I've never, you right, know, right. it's, like, it's yeah. like, oh, my dad taught us how to play sports or yeah. like things like that, but like... Teaching your kids how to harmonize. Because that's not a given yeah. that your kids can even harmonize. Right. Yeah. My like my brother, my sister is like, she's a sick singer. I'm I'm okay and and my brother's not good. Uh, but but so that's why we always like put him in the you we hear give that? him the easiest. You hear that, bro? You hear that, bro? <laughs> he knows I'm on the record. He knows, dude. He knows. Believe me, he fucking knows. But standing next to your sister, you're like, she levels you up. She's great. She's great. Yeah. So it's like, you know, especially with harmonies, it's kinda like it's a team effort. <laughs> oh yeah do your dad can sing though yeah he's really good he's really good and, and grandparents and on his side they yeah sing? my my all my grandparents sang like it was a big very musical family Ooh. very musical like you know like okay here's the here's the thing like we're like italian immigrant vibes so it's like we're not big on sports we're big on family and music like that's kind of food and food yeah it's like it's just like it's like it's like a stereotype but real Right. Italian people. So I can only imagine the holidays at your house are awesome. 
Yeah, they used to be, man. But everyone's like, you know, doing their own thing and, yeah. and working. You know how it is, man. To live in LA, it's expensive. You got to also like, it's not as... Grind. Yeah, plus, plus all my grandparents are they are past now. So it's like back then it was a thing like grandparents, aunt, my mom and dad, me and my brother, sister, always like then, then inviting over other family. So uh, your dad teaches you how to harmonize. Yeah. Obviously you're younger, but as you yeah. get older... What made you want to start a band with your brother and sister? Because that is always not the recipe for less stress and success. It definitely was not less stress at all, man. That shit is... Family bands are tough. They're really hard because, like, there's a... There's you can't ever level. really walk away. No. Like, you can walk away from the band, yeah. <laughs> but you still got to see them at Sunday at 6 totally. p.m. Totally, and it's like, you know, there's a level of... Uh, there's a level of respect that people give each other or just leeway that people give each other when you're not that fucking tight you know like you'll just let people you let shit slide but you might not with other people now go on tour with those people 24 7 who don't let shit slide it's tough and are pulling up stuff from like you're not even starting at zero you're starting at like remember when you were eight and you ripped off my Barbie's head, <laughs> or like you ate the last piece of cake on yeah. my birthday. Like they're bringing up stuff. They're like, "What do I just? I'm sorry, I sat in the front seat. Like, what do you want from me?" Yeah, man. I mean, we're you know we're not like we weren't really like bickery. We were more like, I don't know, dude. We're a weird family. What can I fucking say? My family, my family is very strange. I'm sure everyone thinks their family's strange, but I don't know. I I don't even know what to think at this point. I just. I just try to gravitate away from whatever the bickering shit is, and I try to. I just want to be happy because because life is weird, man. And short. It's fucking short. Uh, it's really short. What was it like writing with your brother and sister? That's fun, man. That's just fun. When me and my sister, we we used to write together. We got a publishing deal when, like, we were just kind of before Babes even. We had a publishing deal. And we were writing for other people, and and just we were in the studio twenty four seven, and it's like. That's just that's just fun, man. Like yeah. the only thing, the only thing that really gives me pure joy with no nothing, nothing like poisonous, nothing like insidious in it is music. For me personally, mm. I don't know. Everything else is like comes with it comes with you know uh, like stipulations. It comes with like you know certain things that you're going to you're going to get this but it's going to take this from you. Music is the only thing that just gives pure I mean not the business side. The business side's fucked oh, up. Yeah. <laughs> that's fucked up. But and that's going to kill you. But, but when you're writing. Yeah, and, that's and beautiful. Yeah, beautiful. That's the only time when I'm truly like I feel good. I feel really good right now. Most of the time I feel pretty bad, but like, you know, I got some okay friends now. Uh Nadell my girls helped me ha- like make friends cuz I'm like a very uh, I'm You're like a, a lone wolf. Guy. Yeah, I'm a sensitive person. I'm a, and I like being alone. But and now I have cool new people in my life, and that makes me happy. Well, so. uh, speaking of beautiful things and the cool people in your life, yeah, uh, I know we got the band in house, and these are all cool looking people. Yeah, uh, what song do you want to play for first? Uh, without you, without you, anything behind it? You want to give a little a little intro? Um, <laughs> it's just a song about um, when your person leaves you and you think all of these weird it's just like the the relation the relation of when someone leaves you to what you think it's just the thoughts in your head when you're just sitting there and you're like wow this is i'm alone now and i'm gonna have to have a new life that's what that is all right well here we go billy womo dangerbird record studios in silver lake on snacky tunes here on heritage radio network.org
That was awesome. Yeah, it was good. Okay, I don't even know, man. I don't. No, it's know. sweet. I just be myself now. I don't even know what you to got, fucking do. You, you have uh, the song has like a like a classic fifties doo-woppy Burt Bacharach yeah. sort of vibe. <laughs> but yeah, man. Well, Bacharach's the shit. But I got to give up to Hal David. That's that's my yeah. man. Hal David is so fucking dope. He comes up with those lyrics, dude. What the fuck? I know. I mean, it's funny uh, when you really go back. Obviously, I mean, this is obviously before you. Are born, but that type of like lyricism yeah. in songwriting. Obviously, there's some like 50s, 60s nonsense songs. Yeah, but there is some real so like, good, man. holy crap, these yeah. are like words next level, next next level po- stuff. Poems, poems, man, poems set to music. That's what they should be like. You know, that's my okay. So I like a lot of modern music, but that's my one issue is I wish people would spend a little more time on the craft of of the lyrics because I I learned to write lyrics from a dude who's also, he was a big Silver Lake uh, proponent, which Benji Hughes. I don't know if you know that guy's music. It's mm-hmm. beautiful, man. He's probably it debate. He's debatably the best living songwriter right today. But nobody really knows him, and I don't know why. Like, but he's crazy. Check his lyrics, man. All right. Six. You're gonna love it. You're gonna love it if that's the thing you dig. Yeah, I love that stuff. I yeah. mean, I I love all that old stuff. I love the clock stuff, the romanticism behind it. Where yeah. it's like me too. Yeah, me too. it's great. Um, so now that you, so Babes is done. You put out a yeah. couple albums. Yeah, and you're working on your solo stuff now. Yeah, I mean, what made you, <laughs> other than maybe de-stressing a little bit? Well, uh, what just, made you? What 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 put bed, Babes to bed and made you want to pick yeah. up the guitar by yourself? Well, I like kind of had okay. So two things. One. Babes, when I was in that band with my brother and sister, like we did, we we just kept going as long as people were like, we're interested, like here's some money, yeah. make a record. We were like, okay, we'll just keep doing it. And then, but the way that it went was we got a deal and then they wanted a certain sound and I tried to, we worked with this one producer and uh, it didn't really, then they were like, no, your demos are better. So I redid it. And then they were like, yeah, but it's gotta be like this thing. So I was like, okay, I know what they wanted. Basically they wanted what I do, but, but only the pop, only like the most poppy, like right. more tempo, more like. So if you have a sellable. spectrum from like melancholy <laughs> to like mid to pop, exactly. everything that's left to pop, Exactly. See, yeah. They wanted, like, one time they, they said, the, the president said uh, that we sounded like, we sounded like uh, the Velvet Underground meets the Ronettes. And then he was saying, but do more Ronettes. And that was the thing. And I was like, I know what he's saying. So we tried that. And that's hard to write. That's really hard. Like, try to fucking write those songs, man. They yeah. are difficult. And, you know, you don't I'm have good, a but. Crazy man with a wall of sound behind you. You know what I mean? Of course, man. With like, yeah. possibly a gun. As well. Well, he definitely, yeah. He def- <laughs> sorry. Definitely had a gun. Definitely yeah. had a wall of sound. Yeah, I mean, that's tough. You know, it's especially... It gets, it gets boring, too. As you were saying, if, you know, music to you is this pure happiness. Yeah. And someone's like... Exactly. Someone's like... See, you get it, man. Uh, yeah. And I get it. Like, you yeah. can't always be the artist you want to be, especially, as you said, with the business side of it. But if someone's yeah. saying, like, I can't even let you start at being an artist because we have this idea of who we think you should be. Yeah, yeah. It's... um. Yeah, that's like, and they did hold up our record for a, a while because of that. And dicks. Yeah, total dicks, man. Like, you know, I I don't know. Like, it's it's tough to meet someone that works in the music business in the on the business side, who is cool, man. They're all weird. I don't know. Like, Aaron's pretty cool. Aaron's cool. He's Shout really out Danger cool. Bird. 
Andy's cool. <laughs> he's a cool dude, and he because I because he knows he's a he's a musician. He's a he makes music, so he knows what it takes. Yeah, but like, I mean, most it, of them are they're fucked up. And but it's and, just harder now because there's it's like every album. There's no room for error. Yeah, you're right. There's no room for error, yeah. and like there's just not there's no R and D. There's no like let's take right. a chance. It's like. Even your chances can't really be like your yeah. chance is like okay you're not Beyonce so you're you're a chance yeah you know what I mean and that's the way they look at it and it's it's a really it's not a cool thing man because I just think of I think of this like how many like great songs are we missing out on because these people are like we have zero chances we cannot miss so they just like they pass on really amazing songs really amazing people for for something that they think they think you want yeah that's, that's what it is gross dude yeah that's it's, gross. it's not even Come like now it's not even like we think it's good it's we'll think it's it will sell we think that this is we're pretty sure this is what you want and they, we don't even fucking know that's why i okay so now to circle back to what you were saying was the answer is i'm doing this now because i sat down and i just went i don't fucking give a shit anymore so many great and i just by the way, want to so many great yeah. things have started with some version of that sentiment it felt good dude that's why i did it because i was like i don't fucking care and i'm just gonna do what makes me feel something because more and more i wake up every day and i feel less and less and that makes me that makes me really sad dude i don't know what that is but like so doing this has been pulling me the other way and it, it means a lot to me so the fact that that anybody i was like i don't care if one fucking person listens to it and they're like that means something to me i'll be okay but it's been kind of the opposite that people are sort of slowly you know tuning in and going like this is a vibe that i get down with and i love that because like i played this show the other day with these young uh this young hispanic dude katsu oso who's so dope he's so good man i love his shit and they i met all these young young people when we just were having a good time and talking about like sensitive boy shit sensitive boys sensitive music like you know being be not wanting like you know whatever i'm not going to say like any bands but like you know th- like we're not trying to like always turn up we're turning down man yeah. turn down like i, I don't want to fucking hear that noise like i want someone to tell me something beautiful because i don't know what the other what what else is there really yeah just some stuff well speaking of beautiful stuff we're going to yeah. hear what's the next song you're going to play uh we're going to play alone together okay well here we go Billy Womo, Alone Together, Danger Bird Record Studio, on Snacky Tunes and Heritage Radio Network.org.
That's some beautiful stuff. Thank you. Um, now, I know that you mentioned uh, you're playing with a young Hispanic band, and what I had heard is that, like, you're sort of getting into this, you know, East L.A. Hispanic community, which has a big love for guys like Morrissey and things like that, and your yeah. vibe of sensitive music <laughs> is sort of tapping into that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I definitely, that's, if, if I do get accepted by that community to any degree, I'm super happy because yeah. that's sort of what that's sort of like where I. By grew, the way, grew those up. people's bullshit meters are dialed up to like eleven. <laughs> but you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah, you yeah. The door with that, I think that makes sense to me. I mean, like it's you know, like you can go to the whiskey or whatever, and that's just all bullshit. Like it's just nothing. There's Does nothing. Still go to the whiskey. Who goes I don't the whiskey? know. Or the Roxy. I, no, I don't go. No I don't go here. I don't go over there anymore. And if I we never just, did, if we just lost did. our potential sponsorship with the whiskey, I'm okay with that. <laughs> oh, shit, my bad. No, it's okay. We, they, they don't know it. <laughs> but yeah, like I don't, you know, it's not, I I think that any, they just like either good vibes, like good dance. It's also about fucking danceability too. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, can you dance to it? Because I can't dance to an Imagine Dragons song. I don't even know how do you do, how would you no. even do that? But like, do you have people doing like slow dances to your song? Not slow dances. They're not dancing to my shit as much. Like I'm even slower than these guys, but that's why I was like. There's some swang. So much Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, you, you could, you know, do you like grab your girl and like yeah, you can grab your girl. do the thing like, where like she's yeah. in front of you and you hold her from behind a little sway. See, you know, that's I what know. I was. I didn't know how to describe that exactly. I know, that's that's what I was thinking. But thank Please. you for. I went I to a couple shows. That. You know, I got my. <laughs> she's got her hands in the pockets of my cardigan. Yeah, that's what I want. Yeah. See, that's what I'm trying to do. I don't want like I don't. I'm not trying to like you know whatever um, Slipknot people or whatever. I mean, like, look, right time, right place for that. Totally, man. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing I wrong. I could dig that. Nothing like, um, Yeah. So you are working on a run of EPs right now, right? Yeah, I'm doing... Uh, you have two out? I got two out now. I'm doing my third. Um, it's called All Trash, No Love, and it's uh, it's cool. I like it. It's going to be good. And, and I'm doing 10 four-song EPs. I just want it to be this series, and like I just, you, you know, keeping in in line with just doing what I want. I I like like little pretty things. So I was thinking like I just want to look at the end. I want to see like 10 little covers. They all look the same. Yeah. My friend Jessica uh is making them. She does the artwork. Like I I show her what I want. She does the artwork and it's just going to be this really beautiful little thing like when you listen to it each each album, each EP has its own little story that kind of is a is a it's a con it's all concepts right so yeah each little one's its own little one and then yeah. all 10 together will be a larger arc yeah like it should be uh it should have like some kind of it's arc, on the record but... now man you better do it <laughs> no i mean like that is more that will end up being more abstract <laughs> i'm dude. kidding i'm not hey, putting that pressure on that's you. a lot yeah no no i'm already you know, you know like... the way that we really see you is yeah. this like big opus storyteller <laughs> and what we would no, yeah man it's um, like so, um, who the fuck am i bob dylan like yeah uh so the first one is wasted yeah which is just like the story of a relationship it's just like you get together you dig each other you know, then you break up and then you kind of reflect on that shit in a terrible way. Like, it's just the, it's just that, like that whole. Is there know. any sweet to your sour? Like, is there some happiness in there? Yeah. And I'm not saying that there has to be. Like, sure. you, you could be yeah. melancholy all yeah, yeah. day. No, no, I, there is. I in Because sometimes that sadness is yeah. extra super sad when you sure. have a little, like the hope <laughs> of happiness. Yeah. Like, oh, of course. Yeah. No, you got to have that. Like, okay, so I got, am I in, I, I haven't decided yet. There's two songs that I'm I'm vacillating on. I that might end up on the the fourth one, 
or but it might be on this all trash no love. It kind of depends on where I go lyrically. But there's two songs that's called uh, "Right Here in My Arms," and there's another song called. I already have all these songs written, but the, it's called "Right Here in My Arms," and the other one is called, which is just about like you know, you feel you feel sad, and it's like that's okay because I love you, and you come here, and my in my arms yeah. is where you're gonna find love. But then the other the other one that's nice is called. Uh, I want to live in a world where dreams come true. <laughs> okay. So yeah, like that's like more There's hope. Yeah, There's a lot of hope. That's when I like Irvin Berlin shit. Oh <laughs> yeah, that is that like grandiose. Yeah, just like straight up, very literal, very literal. Like, and for just, your recording, is it just all you? Or are you bringing in the band? Or well, I bring in, I bring in my people because like you know, David, for instance, he's the guitarist and he's. Better than I'll ever be. I could practice for ten years. I'll never be as good as him. So like, I do write it all, and I know what I want. But and you're like, go shred this. Yeah, exactly. I'm not gonna fucking look. Look, man. I. It's taken me a while, but I know who I am. I know what I'm good at, and I know what I'm not. Like, and this dude is. That's the that's the toughest part. Yeah, totally. It is. It, well, it's, it's easy to be like, I'm not good at that. Yeah. And then the flip it's is the true. confidence to be like, I'm actually good at this other part. Yeah, that's hard. That's hard for that's people. Harder. People are. I'm. I'm an asshole too. Like I will. Like I. You have to. I have to quell my ego and be like, you know, that's. You're not good at that. Like, yeah. but that's not easy to do. That's not easy for people to. We're fucking. It's like that's survival, man. That's the universe pushing you to say that shit. We will die out if you don't say I fucking do it. Like, yeah. No, it's also <laughs> tough. I mean, especially in uh, making music or creating anything where you need other people. Yeah. Uh. Or or you you know, tree in the forest type of thing, but right. you need people to listen as well. And if you're just a, a dick the whole time, people yeah. don't want to come around to be part of your band or listen to your music or like hang out with you and have a taco. Like it, you gotta, you gotta have it. But sometimes people like that, like sensitive guy with the, you know, the, yeah. like, Ooh, it's like, we were talking about, Hey guy. Yeah. Right. Right. But guy? people get, you gotta, well, you gotta watch out. People get sick of that shit real fast. What are you into? <laughs> What are you into? Oh, yeah, what are you, what are you into, man? <laughs> what are you into, man? I don't know. Uh, well, listen, man. Thank you so much for coming by. Yeah, I want to make sure we have enough time for one more song, but I want to make sure that people can find you online. And everything. So, where can get, people get the EPs? Uh, yeah, I got my EPs are all uh, on Spotify and whatever, all that stuff, and they're spell on your, iTunes. Spell your name just because they can't see it all. Cool. Yeah, yeah, Billy U O M O. Okay. Cuomo. And then, uh, yeah, so I'm on the Spotify. I'm on the whatever title, if you do that. Or, Who and does then, title? And by the way, if Jay-Z. that just lost us our title sponsorship, I don't care because no one's listening. Literally, hey, that was on you, man. Literally, I think the only reason why title exists yeah. is so for that one day, yeah. you can listen to a Beyonce or right, Jay-Z right. album before, before everyone, everyone yeah. else. And even this time, they didn't even hold out as long. Like oh, that yeah. new album popped up on Spotify a lot faster yeah, because I don't think I think they're losing like the the streaming battle, but that's yeah. okay. Whatever, man. Oh wait, before we go, yeah. Oh, check, wait, check my. If you want to get like the EP though, like a physical, whatever, just Instagram me because I don't really do it that much, but I write people back because it's yeah, it's funny. I, it's I, nice. Yeah. Uh, but before I forget, the Babes Hotline. Yeah. Uh, which you were supposed to call if you're sad or and. Horny. Yeah, yeah. What was does the Babes Hotline still exist? <laughs> no, it's defunct now. But it was, you know, we were just we were on the road, and just like we thought it was fun. You no, know, that's a great just, way gotta, to like have yeah. people like just any entertainment. Yeah, and you know, people call us and be like, oh, um, 
like oh we're like we're driving like portland and we're almost there like oh we're waiting for you at the show blah 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 like yeah you know some people call and be like creeps and that's funny too we would record it all and listen back and it was hilarious but that those type of calls get you fed that last like hour and a half of driving yeah yeah totally were people more sad or horny uh, <laughs> Probably a little bit of both. I mean, okay, the thing that happened the most was people would call up and say, is this the babe's hotline? And then and then they'd go, we'd say, yeah. And then they would go, and they'd hang up. <laughs> huh. Okay. Because they just were like, you know, I think like, people get re- nervous. Well, I think also because it's like, did they really put a, a hotline? Well, yeah, they just were checking. Yeah, they just checking. But, they're just, but people, you know... I think people, a lot of people are shy. It's just a fucking phone call, it's man. Phone call. It's just a phone call. There's no anonymity. You know what I mean? Yeah. What do that, you like? Come well, on. Well, no, because that, their number pops up, right? Oh, I don't know. I don't even look at that stuff <laughs> anymore. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, what's the last track that we got? Uh, True Love. Story behind this? It's just the truth. It's just what I, I, I can't live in this world if I don't have true love. Ain't that beautiful? Well, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you to Danger Bird Records. Thank you. Uh, thank you to everyone. Uh, we'll be back next week. And here we go. Billy Womo, Snacky Tunes, Heritage Radio Network.org. See you next time.
We talk about food. We talk about music with musical dudes. Finger on the pulse, snacky tunes. This program is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please... Join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.